Welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church. If you can file in, grab a seat, and then stand up. I'll explain all that in a moment. Uh, I am going to ask the, the Hope team and the kids from VBS to come on up on stage. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do today. Church, like you haven't seen it in a while, is what this is going to be defined as. Last week was our vacation Bible school, Monday through Friday. Pastor Rick is going to be sharing some things on that. But one thing that happens during Vacation Bible School is that the, the music, the praise and worship part of the music looks drastically different. So I've asked, we've asked the leaders, there's some people missing. Who's missing? All right. The, the Hope team, when they would come up, they would be singing. You know, we need, we need uh, where's Miles, where's Ben? Where's all them guys at? Miles and Ben, we need all these hypers up here. Yep, that's VBS right there. That's VBS. So uh, there he comes. There we go. We appreciate Vacation Bible School and, and our kids. Now listen, this is different. I want to be clear and up front. This is going to be God honoring this morning. I want you to see just a taste of Vacation Bible School. It was online uh, all five nights, certain portions of it. But in order for you to, to see what our Vacation Bible School was like, you actually are going to have to participate. There's going to be some songs played. They are not here to entertain you. They're here to lead you. So it could get loud. I want you to get loud. There are going to be some motions. I want you to do the motions. Even if you have arthritis right here, fake it. Fake it. Fake the motions. I'm going to ask everybody from Cross Point Baptist Church, and even if you're on Facebook Live, to stand up right where you are, if you will, stand up and follow our Hope team as we go over Vacation Bible School and the songs as it relates to streaming God's hope. That's why the stage is the way it is, all right? Hope team, lead us. You surround me, my comfort and my song Your promise is my refuge Cause I know your love is strong You have raised me from the ashes Set my feet on solid ground I know
Way to go, guys. Way to go. Seated. You already sat down. So, Way to go. Way to go. As, again, that was a very, very small percentage of what Vacation Bible go, School guys. looked like. Very small percentage. A lot more uh, activity, a lot more noise. You <laughs> saw me pushing to get Miles up here because he was off the rail hype man for Jesus. He was, he was, he got everybody fired up. So uh, we wanted, why do we, why are we sharing Vacation Bible School today? Well, we want you to see at, we, as by God's design, we're intergenerational. Amen. It's God's design. It's not old and young. We're not divided like that. We come together in Christ. And we need to be supporting, but also be participating in of what we're trying to do. Get a spotlight on Jesus Christ. So they wore the shirts today. You'll notice on the back of the shirt, I don't want to give away too much here. It's also uh, up here, which you Just probably can't see. Psalm uh, 46.1. I was able to actually share that yesterday. How that God is our strength and refuge. Uh, refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Is that an Amen. That is a very good verse for us in a world where these kids, K through sixth grade, they're in a world with, with little uh, hope, with little truth that they can grab a hold of. We have it. We want to offer that, and we do it in their world. So this morning, what we just did was so many times we asked kids, children, to come into the adult world. We have them come in here. Today, you went into their world. That's what, that's what we're doing today. So I've asked Pastor Rick, um, once he had his one-day sabbatical yesterday, uh, of resting and catching up with himself, uh, to share this morning a vacation Bible school in part. Now, I want to take a moment, and I told him I wanted to make sure to introduce him.
Many of you know Pastor Rick. Uh, you know his heart, the work that he does. But I want to go another level. I would never let anybody question this man's heart for our children's ministry. You're going to have a fight on your hands if you question his heart. I've watched him year after year for decades now. In fact, he was my mentor in, in, in youth and learning how, not just how to do it, but why. Why is the most important part. It's not the how. You'll figure out the hows of ministry, but why do it? And he shared that with me. But Pastor Rick's heart is so poured into Vacation Bible School. There's not enough thanks. There's not enough um, uh, ways of showing our appreciation and gratitude, nor would he want it. And that's what makes it even that much more special. But I would ask you to uh, let's give Pastor, let him know that he's loved today and welcome him to the stage as he uh, shares a, a, a Bible quest lesson with us. Pastor Rick. No, right, Pierce, right. All right. Good morning. I am. Uh, it is a privilege to to uh, to to be here this morning and to be able to share uh, Vacation Bible School. As you see, Vacation Bible School. As I saw uh, the leaders up here, uh, Vacation Bible School isn't just for the children. It's for the church. It's for the adults. As you see. Uh, People, get, they get the minister. It's, a, it's another opportunity for them to minister. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're finding their gifts and how to use it for the Lord. And, and these young people are, are finding it. The adults are finding it. They have opportunities to, to teach lessons, to lead in songs, to lead in games or snacks or crafts. or you know, All different types of opportunity to, to um, make relationships with each other, not only with the children, but with each other. It's an opportunity. We spent five days this past week, and yeah, they're wore out. But when we look back at it and say it was worth it, and because of what was shared about the gospel and the relationships that were built. Um, it is Crosspoint Plus, now streaming God's hope. And as we expressed, hope is not the hope of the world, because the hope of the world is I wish. Hope that the God gives us is that we know, because we know because of God's word. So um, I'm going to start this to how we did our VBS, so just warning you, okay? This is how we started VBS with this every night.
All right, so you know, we start off with the excitement, right? It's a, it's, when they hear that, they know everybody's supposed to get in position and the, 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 the children are ready, the adults are ready to, to serve. And uh, that's kind of a thing that uh, we like to do. I'm trying to think why I did that through the years. I think my first year we did a, a space thing and I did a countdown like a blast off and I've just included it every year, uh, some type of countdown in a way with a, with a short video leading up to it. Um, as was shared, our verse for the week and what's on the back of t-shirts is Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And really, the, uh, the theme of VBS was uh, our well-being uh, and a, a, how we are to, to take care of ourselves mentally, spiritually, and uh, and it's dealing with, it was dealing with struggles of life. It was a very difficult uh, way to come up with lessons because usually VBS, we want a lot of excitement. We dealt with some really heavy subjects this week uh, because children are going through hard times too. And, you know, they live in this world of sin and there's lots of hard uh, times that they go through. And even this week, we, we known of students who were here who had, had just very drastic things in their life had just happened during the week. Um, uh, but they wanted to be here. And we, we gave them the tools, the tools of the Word of God, to help deal with these very uh, stressful situations that we have in life. So uh, first thing we, I think the, the basis for everything is understanding who you are. And you are created in the image of God. Uh, we, we spent the, the first night was talking about how we are created in the image of God and what that meant. We are not physical in the way that God is because God is not physical. He's spiritual. So how are we in the image of God? And we went through how we, we have a mind, will, and emotions. We have relations. We have morals. All this is to show that we are created in the image of God and that because we are created in the image of God, we have a purpose. God created us with a purpose and they have a purpose. You have a purpose in life because God created you. And he loves you. You are his creation. So we, we spent uh, the first night on that. Then we talked about Joseph and how he was rejected by his brothers. And uh, this rejection you know, was devastating to him. I mean, he was thrown into a pit. He was carried off to a foreign country. You know, we've all felt rejection. And what that means to not be included or to be cast out or something of that sort. And we, we went through the story of Joseph and the word of God and showed how even through rejection, God can use you in a mighty way, just like he used Joseph. He had a purpose in all this. He was preparing him to be uh, the leader of Egypt and to basically save the nation of Israel in that. We, we shared how uh, Elijah... After a great spiritual victory, he was wore out. Uh, Jezebel was after his life, and he became depressed. And how God restored him in this depression. While he was there, God fed him. God had him had some rest. And sometimes, you know, uh, yes, the, the depression is the emotional part of it, uh, but the physical part helps us. Uh, and he needed some rest, and God took care of him. 
and we discussed some things, and I'll probably even a little bit today, uh, talk about how God did some things for him to help him in his depression. So that, uh, again, knowing that God is in control and who he is is the basis for, for that. We, uh, the last night we talked about Solomon, King Solomon, who had all the wisdom of the world, but even though he had the, the tools to, with him because God gave him the wisdom, he fell and he disobeyed God and he followed his, his own heart, which is not the heart of God. And uh, he got distracted by the world and what you could have. And he fell uh, into other idols and things like that. But at the end of Ecclesiastes, he said, you need to go back to your youth and understand that what you learned as a child about the word of God is so important. And that's why we stressed the last night, they're little, little and young. You need to go back to your youth and what you learn in the word of God. And so that's why it's so important to have your children in church, have them in the word of God, having them in, in uh, situations where they can learn the word of God because that will carry them through life. So uh, today we're going to do the fourth lesson of our week and is on uh, Peter. And uh, so the fourth night we talked about Peter. Peter is the most outspoken disciple, right? Of all the, the 12 disciples, he was the most outspoken. Uh, he, he was always talking lots of times out of turn, but he was really the spokesperson for uh, the, the 12 because that's the personality he had. But we know of him, we know uh, he, he walked on the water uh, with Jesus. Peter asked to come walking on the water. He began, when he started looking at the waves and the situations, the, the situations around him, he started to sink, but he did do something wise at that point. He called out to God, he called out to Jesus, and Jesus lifted him out of the, the water. Um, the transfiguration, uh, that's where when Jesus took just Peter, James, and John up onto the mountain, and he was transfigured into his glorified body, and Peter, James, and John got to witness that. And again, Peter spoke out a turn. He said it was good for us to be here uh, and to build an altar. And really, Jesus just ignored him at that point. But again, Peter was in that, that point. Um, we know the story. Peter claimed that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. When Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? You know, some say that you're a prophet or Elijah. Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. But minutes later, Jesus was rebuking Peter because Peter said, you're not going to be over, handed over to the authorities to die. There's no way I'm going to let that happen. But Jesus said, I have to. That's what God has, that's why I have come here. Um, to show how he was really true and wanted to stand up for that, Peter, at the arrest of Jesus, took a sword and, and cut off a, a soldier's ear. But Jesus said, we did not come with knives and swords. So, um, so let's go back to some of these, these stories I just mentioned. Let's, let's talk about them. Um, let's go back to the scene. I'm in Matthew 26, 31, if you're interested. Uh, Matthew 26, 31. Um, and I'm going to be using lots and lots of verses. Probably not going to give you time to change uh, from one chapter to the other, but... Uh, the first part, we, we are here, Matthew 26, 31. Uh, this is um, 
after the Lord's Supper, they, Jesus instituted the, the Lord's Supper with his disciples. They, they went off to the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, uh, well, I guess this is a little bit before that. And Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Jesus is saying, Tonight, I'm your shepherd and you're all going to scatter. You're all going to run away from me. Verse 32, But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. And Jesus said to him, Surely I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. But Peter said to him, even after that, right? Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the other disciples. So Peter, his heart was there. He really thought he had the faith and the boldness to stand up for God, to stand up for Jesus and who he is. So now we lead to in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus said uh, that very night, Peter would deny him three times. That he, wouldn't, that he would deny him and say, I didn't only know the man. I don't even know who he is. But again, Peter really believed that his faith and his boldness was strong enough to stand no matter what would happen. He really thought he would be willing to die for Jesus at this point. But a matter of fact, a few hours later, he, he did stand. He did take a stand. As we already shared, the soldiers came into the garden to arrest Jesus. They, uh, Judas identified who Jesus was by a kiss. They grabbed Jesus to arrest him. And in John 18, in verse 10, it says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? So Peter did. He says, you know, he was willing. He, he took out his sword and he was willing to, to fight the band of soldiers, starting with one. Now, I'm sure he was trying to cut off his head, but he only got his ear. But Jesus said, you know, this cup which my father has given me, this cup it means the situation that he has to die on a cross for our sins. That's the purpose that he came to die. Matthew 26, and by the way, sometimes I, uh, I use the New Living Translation because it's a simple translation for the students to understand. And I, I, you know, it follows up with the, the New King James and the King James very strongly. Um, but in Matthew 26, 52, Jesus said to him, put away your sword. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Jesus is saying there is a purpose why this is happening. Yeah, this, this situation is very drastic and very uh, you know, uh, strong, but there's a purpose in that and that he has to die for our sins and this situation has to happen. Jesus actually healed the, the servant's ear by putting it back on and healing it. One, you know, the last miracle that he really did on this earth before the, resur uh, the resurrection. Mark uh, 1450 says this, then all his disciples deserted him and ran away. They all scattered. Just like Jesus said, 
including Peter. He was so strong and ready to, to stand for him, but now he ran. He took off. Um, they, they all fled, including Peter. They led Jesus off to be tried by the Sanhedrin, the, the Jewish leaders. But look, Peter did come back. Peter did come. He, didn't, he scattered, but he came back. Matthew 26, 58 says, Meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance and came to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and sat with the guards and waited to see how it would all end. Peter still, because of his love for, for Jesus, he, although he did scatter with all the other disciples, he did come uh, back to, uh, to this trial, the Sanhedrin, at the courtyard. And he was there trying to see what happens. But then... Is his denial. He really wanted to follow Jesus. Jesus was led throughout the night. Basically, there was six trials. There were six uh, uh, Jewish trials and six Roman trials that he, that he has throughout the night. And while he's still at, in, with the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, to convict him to death, uh, this was happening. Peter was in the courtyard. While Jesus was being tried in front of the, the, the Sanhedrin, Peter was in the courtyard. And it says in Matthew 26, 69, Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those with Jesus of Galilee, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. So Peter, he's, he's now in a situation where he's not with Jesus He's not with his disciples. He's alone with people who are, are against Jesus, and he denies he even knows him. Uh, and it was before all of them. A few verses later, in verse 71, later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. Again, another little girl points him out and says, you were with Jesus. And he denies who he, that I even knew him, that he was even a follower of Jesus. A little later, in verse 73, a little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. And Peter swore, I curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Luke, it says this way, says immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Now, Jesus was, was in the, this court uh, going from one trial to another. At this point in time, he was in the courtyard being escorted by the guards to another trial. And it says at the moment that Peter denied him the third time, the Lord turned and their eyes met. And then Peter remembered what the Lord had said. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. That you even, knew, that, that you even know me. And it says Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Peter felt guilt. He felt, felt guilt for what he had done. 
Peter found himself in a difficult situation standing in the company of enemies and found it easier to respond in a natural way by lying. I don't know him because he felt the fear of what they may do to him. But guess what? He went out and wept bitterly. Peter realized that he not only denied his Lord, but he turned his back on his friend. This guilt. He felt guilt. Guilt caused great remorse and sorrow, and he went out and wept bitterly. But he truly loved Christ. He truly loved Jesus. And that was the reason why he, was so, he felt so much bitterness, so much heartache, and he wept bitterly because he did love Jesus that much. Yes, looking ahead to the story, he did repent and he is restored. Forgiveness was available by the master, and he was restored back to God. But you know what? And this is, this is a verse from the, the New Living Translation. 2 Corinthians 7.10, and I did this because it's, it was the language that the children can understand. It. So, it says, for God can use sorrow in our lives to help us turn away from sin and seek salvation. We will never regret that kind of sorrow. But sorrow without repentance is the kind that results in death. God can use sorrow in our lives to help us turn away from sin and turn to salvation. Guilt. He felt guilt. Guilt is why, why we come to God, because we realize that we are sinners and we are guilty and we need a Savior. God uses guilt. It causes sorrow and it causes us to want to turn to God. It says we will never regret that kind of sorrow. Looking ahead, and I'll probably repeat it later, Judas, yeah, he, he repented to the Sanhedrin. And he went out and hung himself. Peter confesses to God, and God uses him in a mighty way. Again, God gives us hope. God gives us hope. His word is strong, and we can stand on his, his word. What happens over the next 12 hours were truly devastating. Peter had denied Jesus, and thinking he would never be able to show his allegiance again to Jesus, you know, for, for what he had done. He felt the grief, he felt the guilt. Over the next few hours, Jesus was sentenced to die. Jesus was taken to the Roman government and tried three more times. A pilot, the Roman governor, found no fault in Jesus, but he was pressured by the, the crowd because they would riot. And he, he sentenced Jesus to be executed on a cross. Jesus was then taken to a cross. He hung on the cross for hours. The sky was darkened, and Jesus breathed his last. It says in Matthew 27, 50, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, the rocks were split. Peter was grieved. For three years, Peter followed Jesus. He claimed that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the promised one that they were waiting for. He remember, uh, remember when, when Peter met Jesus at the very beginning, Jesus uh, said to cast your net onto the other side of the boat, and they caught many fish. After that, Jesus saw, uh, Peter saw Jesus do all these types of different miracles uh, and claimed 
to forgive sin and his preaching was with authority. But now Jesus is dead. All is lost. You know, life can change in a moment, can't it? It might start with an unexpected phone call, confirming a diagnosis, an email informing you that you'd be leaving behind everything that's familiar for a new life in an unknown place. And that moment, you know your life will never be the same. If you've ever lived much time at all, you know that what comes in those days and months and weeks after is an unexpected void and emptiness. And we grieve. We grieve. Grief is denied as the feeling of reaching out to someone who's always been there. Only to discover when I need them one more time, they're no longer there. God understands our grief. He's experienced pain even more fully than we have. Jesus is the incarnate God. He experienced the hurt, the pain, the loss, the separation on levels we can never imagine. Because God became man so that he, could ha- he, knew, he knows the feelings that we have. Jesus is the incarnate God. Because of that, he's not just stoic, he's not uncaring, but he sympathizes with us. He knows our weaknesses in every way because Christ lived in our bodies like ours, and he lived through this life. Peter was grieving for what he had done to Jesus, for the loss of Jesus, for never being able to make it right again. He went out and wept bitterly. You know, it's okay to cry. It's okay. You know, the first, week, the first day we talked about our emotions and our emotions and how they're just part of our being, and, but they're important to us. But sometimes because our emotions, we feel one way, we need to stand in what we know of the truth of the word of God and his promises. That's the hope. We feel this way, but we know this is the truth. And that is to help us through these times. Uh, Jesus cried. When we are grieving, we need to express our feelings and don't don't hide them. There is a time we need to compose ourselves and do what we need to. You know, as as I'm getting this little object lesson, we didn't just teach this lesson all in one shot, okay? Because, you know, we we have set sessions that they go to. We have an opening session, we have a, a class, and then the ending. So... So they don't get a big preaching service like this because, you know, it's just difficult. But one thing I can be sure of, this, this week when we, when, I, when we spoke on this, they were very attentive. Because they, 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 they know, I think we, we all know what these, these things are, and are these troubles in our life. But uh, I have in here a, a, a cup, and uh, you can't see what's inside of it. So you can't tell me what's inside of it. You know, sometimes we hide our feelings. Sometimes we, we hide, and we, when we hide our feelings, you know, it builds up in you, and it just overwhelms you. But one thing for sure, when we, when we hide our feelings, God always sees our feelings. He knows our weaknesses, and it says weakness here. He sees our weaknesses. He knows. We can hide it, 
We can hide it, but God sees it. And we need to express our feelings at times. There's times that you need to control yourself. That's really my next little object lesson is on that. Uh, but you know, we need to talk out our when we're going through struggles. Don't hold it in. We need to find someone to talk to, a friend to talk to. You know, some of the, uh, uh, the best things you can do is just be a listening ear to someone who's struggling through something. Just be there and let them pour out their emotions to you, their thoughts. But if you're one of those who, who likes to hold your feelings in, you, know, you need to understand that God knows your feelings. You can start with talking to him. Right? You can start just getting in your prayer closet or wherever it is, walking the street, walking out, uh, you know, driving, whatever it is, and just pour out your heart to God. God hears you. He knows it. And then find someone else to express your feelings to. Sometimes we don't realize our weaknesses ourselves. Peter boldly proclaimed that he would never deny Jesus even if he had to die, yet the time came to stand up and he denied him because of fear. Peter went out and wept bitterly. He was absolutely crushed to know that he had did something terrible. Sometimes we try, again, to hide our weaknesses, our fear, and our failures from God, but that's impossible. God knows us. So we need to express that. You know, there's something I came across, and this was from a, a, a Christian site. It's called uh, The Mind Vault. The Mind Vault. And, it, you know, it, uh, it, it's this little exercise that you do. When, when you are overwhelmed with emotion because of something terrible happened in your life, but you know you need to go do something. You maybe need to go, do, maybe you need to, go to work. Maybe you need to go take care of your, your children. Are, are just, you know, the, the children, I said, go to school or play your ball game or whatever. So you're, but you're so overwhelmed with your emotions. Maybe you need to, in your mind, do, do this little thing, have a mind vault. Think of an object. It could be like a lock. It could be like a trash can before something, you know, just terrible that's happened to you. Uh, it could be a speaker because something you said to somebody that you regret or something someone said to you. But think of an object. And for that period of time that you need to go do something, put it in your vault, your mind vault. I'm going to lock it. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to come back to it, but I'm going to be able to go accomplish what I need to. When I come back, I can take it out and I can uh, you know, dwell on it a little bit and, and pray about it more. Okay, But it allows me to do something. You know, this morning, I thought, I've been doing this for years. When I have to speak in front of people, because I can't speak in front of people. So, in a way, I put myself in this vault. And I say, God, use, you use me in my body, but I can't do it. Because just a few minutes when I'm sitting over there, I'm as nervous as, as, as can be. Because, you know, one of the things I, I tell the children, God can use you and sometimes use your weaknesses. When I was in high school, I would go to high school, I would go to school, not talk to anybody because I was so shy, and then come home. And I was happy with that way. I became a Christian in my senior year. And now, because I'm a t 
teacher, I stand up about 250 times a year, every 250 days a year, I'm talking in front of people. God took my weakness and said, that's what I want you to do. So I'm not doing this for myself. It's because God is doing it through me. But, but take, take whatever it is that's, that's, you put it in that vault so you can accomplish. Say, God, I can't do this right now. So say, put it there. Okay, for this few minutes, I'm going to put it away so I can accomplish what you need me to do, whatever it is. And when I'll come back. Matthew um, eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Cast your cares upon Jesus. That's exactly what First Peter says. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Give your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Second Corinthians 4, 8 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. So at this point, I, I said, remember all that we've learned about rejection, about you know, uh, depression, and uh, this week, and, and those emotions, and how you are created in the image of God. That's where you need to put your purpose in life, because you know you are created by God. You're just not a happenstance that just happened. You were created with a purpose. Everybody's purpose is the same. That is a glorified God. But the will is different and that what he has willed us to do in different things. So even in the hard times of life, God has a plan for you. The, Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescued those whose spirits are crushed. Isn't that a great verse? That's the verse that we've been using in the Bible quest the first hour for the last few weeks. Peter, he was grieving not only for the loss of Jesus Christ, but also the guilt he felt because he denied Jesus. Guilt can bring us down. Guilt makes us realize how bad we are. But you know that it's not a bad thing to be, feel guilty. The Holy Spirit of God convicts us of our sins. He helps us to feel guilty. John 16, Jesus says, speaking of the Holy Spirit who will come, he, and when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me. Can't, uh, the, to convict means to expose the facts, to convince someone of the truth. He convicts us of sin. He shows us where we've done wrong, where, we're, where we should feel guilty. The Holy Spirit reveals to people their need for a Savior, because of that guilt, we realize that we, we fall short of the glory of God and we need a Savior because of, uh, uh, because of our sin and we need to believe in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit convicts us of the world, the world of righteousness, God's righteousness. The Holy Spirit reveals the glory of the Jesus righteousness. The Holy Spirit convicts the center of judgment, the judgment to come. But he also shows us the way to life. So guilty, feeling guilty is a good thing. 
1 John 1, 9, we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We confess. We admit that we have sinned against God. Peter was truly sorrowful. Sorrowful for his sin. He had committed. He confessed his sin to God rather than Judas who confessed his sin to the Sanhedrin. He confessed and gave the coins back to the Sanhedrin. Peter was drawn back to God. Have you considered that God often does his greatest work in the midst of our most painful days? Joseph was in prison as God prepared him to rule the land. Elijah was depressed and alone in the wilderness, but God restored him. Maybe your pain is a way of sanctifying you, setting you apart, of molding you into his image, so that you can be a witness to others as he has planned for you to do. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. So God has promised eternal life, willing to believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead for the forgiveness of sins. We often see our failures, sin sin has blinded us, our holiness has hidden us from our sight we often feel guilty and ashamed sometimes as if god is against us but because we trust in jesus christ our sins are forgiven they're not counted against us that's what forgiveness means i'm not going to count this against you we are justified by god god calls us holy our grief reminds us that we are utterly unable to to fix the problems of this world but it can draw our attention to god and making things right with him. And that's what the gospel story is all about. Again, this verse, 2 Corinthians 7.10, For God can use sorrow in our lives to help us turn away from sin and seek salvation. We will never regret that kind of sorrow. But sorrow without repentance is the kind that results in death. God gives us hope. You know, We live in the Saturday of the Passion Week. We live in the time that Peter was on that Saturday, that Friday Jesus was uh, crucified. He had just denied him. We We live in that Saturday between the crucifixion and the resurrection. We, we, we have that heartache because we are not in our glorified bodies. uh, We have not seen, uh, the glorification of of God, and that's our hope. That's what the hope is. That's the promise we can count on because God will fulfill his promises. We will one day be with him because we have put our trust in him. Our current suffering is designed to ignite the flame of our hope for him, knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of God. His strength is made perfect in weakness. Jesus is on the cross. Peter had denied him. All was lost. He feels the devastating day, uh, uh, the, the night. It's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter is asleep. Judas is betrayed. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. 
The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilified. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My king yields his spirit. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won. Sin has conquered. And Satan's just a laugh. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard. And a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming. Matthew 28, 6 says, He is not here, the angel said, for he is risen as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And John, in the Gospel of John, verse in chapter 20, so they both ran, Peter and John, ran together. The other disciples outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him. He went into the tomb, he saw the linen cloths lying there. Jesus was alive. Peter was an eyewitness to seeing Jesus alive. First Corinthians says he was seen by Peter, then of the twelve. The hope. He saw the hope. It came alive to him. Right? Peter, Jesus has been telling them all along, I will, be go, I, I will be crucified and three days arise from the dead. But they did not believe. They did not hear. They did not sense it, maybe. But now that hope was there. The hope came true to him. Peter was then later restored. Late, uh, you know, a few weeks later, it says uh, in John 21, he said to him at the third time, Peter uh, was listening to, to Jesus. Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. All this happened so that Peter would be the spokesperson for the church. All these trials that he went through, all the heartache and the grief was to give him the best that he could give in life. And that was to be the spokesperson for the church. In uh, Acts 2.14, says, But Peter, standing up at the eleven, this is on the day of Pentecost, he raised his voice and said to him, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. He said that you, the persons, the same people that just a few weeks later, he said, I don't know him. The little girl, I don't know him. Now he's pointing to the very people that crucified Jesus. You crucified him. But God raised him from the dead. And he says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We need to put our trust in Jesus. He loves you. 
despite your weaknesses. He removes the guilt because he removes the sin. And he died for your sins. One of the, the things we, I like to share, we share almost every, every time we meet with the, the boys and girls, is the ABCs of becoming a Christian. Just something simple that they can remember. And it's the gospel. It's the gospel. Admit. What do you need to admit? Admit that you are a sinner, that you have sinned against God, and because of your sin, you are guilty. And you are separated from God. But God did something about it. He sent his son, Jesus. And you need to believe that Jesus died on a cross for your sins, that he was buried, and he arose from the dead. He is alive today. Jesus is alive. He is on the throne of God. He is alive. And then now, see, you need to commit your life to him. You need to give your life over to God. And when you give your life over to God, you become a child of God. You are in the family of God. And that's where the hope begins. Because you are a child of him. You have the hope of the resurrection. That has already happened, but one day Jesus is coming back. And you need to commit your life to him. Maybe you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus as Savior. Maybe that's something you need to do today. Maybe there's something as Brother Andrew's getting ready. You got an invitation coming? <laughs> um, maybe you, you need to come and you need to pour your emotions out here at the altar of God. You can do that. You know, I'm, I'm in big church, so I don't get to be here during the invitations. But sometimes when I come here by myself, this is where I come. Something about being at the altar. That you just need to pour your, your feelings out to God. So if you want to come, everybody stand, please. If you want to talk to somebody, there's people here at this, this church would love to talk to you. Pastor, Pastor Scott, Pastor Roger, myself. Brad, almost anyone of the Crosspoint shirts and others, right? We would love to talk to you. But right now, if you feel the need, come to God. He wants to give you the hope of Jesus Christ. Just now, as in thy prayer.
Before Pastor Roger comes and shares a very important announcement, I know many of you have been asking about, I did want to make mention of some things about this week, uh, Vacation Bible School week, that has, um, it just shows you that God's up to something yet again. Again, it looks different this morning than it did last week. But you know, last uh, two weeks ago, Eric and I, Eric Trotmore and I, we had ordered yard signs, Vacation Bible School yard signs. Uh, we put them out. Uh, I think we had, what, 25 of them or so. Short version is that um, somebody was going around and taking them down, this side of 32. Apparently on old 74, the, those that we had put up, they took them down. That was a little disheartening for us. Apparently the ones on that side of 32 were uh, left up. But uh, so there, I guess Amelia people are good, Eastgate people are bad. I don't know what that means. But here's the point. That Monday, the signs were down off of our side. We spent money, we put signs out, so be it, it's disheartening. We were getting ready to start um, Vacation Bible School. I was up here with just Pastor Rick, and he goes, hey, I have an online registration here from somebody that's coming. And at the very late, one of the bottom lines, it says, how did you hear about Vacation Bible School? And it said, a yard sign. Was it worth it putting out 25 of it for one? Even if only one kid came, yes. And by the way, we don't know if it's the same child. I understand there was a profession of faith last week as well from one. So we can go with that. That's good news. So I did want to say one thing before Pastor Roger makes this announcement, and that is uh, tonight, Facebook Live. Um, um, it's important that you tune in tonight. Uh, in our culture right now, there's a lot going on. We want to make sure we... Uh, make sure our life and our church is balanced, not balanced, but driven by the word of God. So that's what, uh, and plus I'll tell you a cool story about me driving my three-wheel bicycle through Chick-fil-A and seeing Spencer. You'll hear that tonight as well. Pastor Roger, if you will. All righty, before we dismiss, uh, just remember that uh, the word of God has gone forth today and we can apply it uh, whether you came forward or not, you know, God, the Holy Spirit is still working in everyone's life in this room. So just remember that, and you're still welcome to talk to any, any of the pastors or others uh, that you might feel comfortable with. So one announcement to make is uh, people have been asking about the services for uh, Brother Charles uh, Jones. His celebration of life will be on Saturday, uh, July the 9th. That's two Saturdays from yesterday, so a couple weeks from now. Uh, at 10 a.m. in the morning till 12 will be visitation, and then at 12 noon uh, will be the uh, service, and that will be here at the church, uh, visitation and uh, service. So uh, for Brother Charles, Saturday, July the 9th. And with that, you are dismissed. <laughs>